0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, Christmas is almost here or coming soon, and uh, if you guys would grab some of these cards on your way out, we are going to start a new series as we close out our No Ordinary Hope series today. Oh no, I've never done this either, and I'm really looking forward to this. Called The Songs We Sing. We sing a lot of Christmas songs, right? And uh, But some of them, some of them uh, are so rich with theology and also they have such a history behind them of how they were birthed and all. And so what we're going to do starting next Sunday right on up to Christmas Eve, Eve is we're going to take a look at uh, those songs, where they came from, how they were birthed, and the authors and the writers, and sometimes the music was written separate from the lyrics. And so there's a whole story behind these as well as the scriptures that that... that they were based on so maybe your favorite Christmas song is in there and so we make our way up to Christmas Eve and to our three services on on that evening so take some of these and invite some of your friends along if they love music if they love Christmas time if they love singing Christmas music then uh, ask them to come with you next week take a few of these cards we're going to have a we're going to have a fun time and then let you be off on Christmas morning So, uh, you can have yourself a merry little Christmas, you know, at home. But we'll gather on Christmas Eve and celebrate together. So, grab a few of these cards, take them with you. Uh, But first, we got Thanksgiving coming up, right? I mean, this is Turkey Day. Turkey Day. Turkey and dressing and giblet gravy. Oh, come on, man. Stuffing, seriously. Seriously. You know, Thanksgiving is, uh, is like the precursor to me to getting ready for Christmas, but uh, it's wonderful to have some food as a preview as well. Um, yeah, you know, let me ask you guys something. We talk about food this time of the year, everything. How many of you used to pop popcorn? See, the, the most of you people don't know what that means. See, I, I, the few hands here go, do you remember what it was like when you would put the kernels in the pot and you'd maybe throw some peanut oil in there or butter, you know, melt some butter. You know, and just throw, throw the corn in there and then, you know, the kids would gather around and you'd kind of start moving it over the burner. You'd move it and, and all the kids would kind of lean in. You know, just waiting. You, you, know, you know what you're waiting on? There's this anticipation. And then all of a sudden you hear, pop, you know, yeah. pop. And you know more is coming. And mom would say, don't stop moving. Don't stop moving. Because <laughs> yeah, you know what would happen if you quit moving, you know. And it, it was, you could smell the popcorn. You could hear it popping. And it was just an experience, right? I mean, it really was. The, the, the smell of the popcorn and this beautiful little white kernels of beautiful they just morphed into this amazing thing and now what do you do you go to the grocery store you grab a bag and it goes fat free gluten free <laughs> taste free tastes like a cotton ball with air in it that's what it is and you know but hey you're going to be healthy so don't worry about it but I, I say all of this to to get to a point that's a huge introduction to a very small part of the service today uh in that it <laughs> that it is thanksgiving right it's the time when we give thanks. And uh, decades ago, I thought that the church should kind of be like popcorn when we used to pop it that way. And that is when we get together, we should, we should thank God. You know, we should really just blurt out. And so one Sunday morning, I, I said, let's do some popcorn. And everybody looked at me. I said, one person just has to get heated up enough and so grateful to God that they pop and go, I thank you, God, for my job. And the next colonel pops, I thank you, Lord, for my family. And the next one pops, I thank you, Lord, for my health. And pretty soon, the whole pot is popping. And there's an experience and not just a meeting. So I've really put myself out there this morning, folks. So we're going to heat the pot up. The, The worship team got it heated for us. So if you have anything to be grateful for this morning, why don't you just tell God? Just say, I am grateful. I am thankful. And just say it. Here we go. Three, two one whoa come on come on you can pop let's go no orphans in this family remember come on <laughs> there you go there you go any orphans left nobody uh, we don't want any orphans left in there? because there's no there's no orphans in the kingdom alright so come on everybody gets to say something no orphans you see that? You guys are beautiful. Look at the smiles, and and there there is something you can always be grateful for. So take that with you. And uh, when we were worshiping a while ago, I, I just had this moment where uh, I was. We were in Puerto Rico a year, two years ago, at this particular time, and I got up real early one morning and I paddled out to this spot. Nobody's there. Waves were small, but I poured out by my, I paddled out by myself on this reef, and I was sitting out in the water. I was just having a time with God, and just enjoying it. And just, God, look at this. This is beautiful. I can see 20 feet down to the reef, the fish, the turtles, everything. And I said, this is awesome. I threw my hands out like this. And the minute I did, this is no lie, these two humpback whales came straight up out of the water about 50 yards in front of me and threw their, you know, out like this, just went... (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like I'm not alone I'm not alone this morning you know and seven times and I was the only one in the ocean you know they'd come up together both noses slide back down then they'd throw up and their flutes you know would come up out of, the ta- out of the water it was one of those moments when you realize all of creation worships and you get a chance to join in with it at times We have so much to be grateful for. So I hope going into your Thanksgiving that indeed you can celebrate. Uh, Today we're going to close out. No ordinary hope. We're going to be over in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 25. And uh, it'll be up on the screens. So why don't we read it together. It's not that long. Let's do this. You ready? Here we go. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Lord, bless your word today. Uh, Thank you for your presence that we already sent Come and bring back hope to us, Lord, those who may seem a little low in that area this morning. And I pray that you would pour in your spirit as we just sang. And also, Father, that Jesus, you, you would become just so preeminent in our full vision so that we could see that hope is not just something we feel, but it is a person. It is you. So help me in my weakness, Lord. Be with me this morning in the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Hebrews. Uh, when you see Hebrews, that's the, the manuscript says the Hebrews, if you look at the earliest ones. So it's written to, obviously, probably, a group of Hebrews. Some people attribute this letter, this book, this homily to uh, Paul. I don't, you know, most, most writers don't, or most theologians don't think so now, because it's written a little different. As smart as Paul was, the writer of this book used amazingly good Greek I mean, the guy was very well educated. He, was, he knew the culture of what he was writing into. And so this is, this is quite the book. Actually, it's not even a letter, even though it was meant to be passed around. The style in which it's written is more like a homily or a sermon. And uh, so when you read this, and all letters, by the way, when you read in the New Testament, you read the epistles and all, they're meant to be read straight through. So when you take the scripture, even if you go, some of this I don't understand and, and I don't get, still, the first time you read it, read it straight through. Just like if someone mailed a letter to you. And then, you know, how you go back and then you say, I wonder what, what's underneath all of this. What what are they trying to say to me? And then go back and read through it. Because there's no verses, there were no chapters in the letters that were sent. Those are in there to help us uh, find the main thought and also to locate uh, the verses, or we would have a tough time this morning <laughs> trying to find what part we 're going to talk about so it 's a homily it 's maybe a sermon written by a very educated uh very well informed person who is writing to a group of uh, Jewish believers, most likely the hebrews and uh he is there 's two problems in this uh, that he is uh he is dealing with one is that there's a lot of persecution going on and as there was during this period of time and maybe this is written sometime around 60 62 ad and uh you know some of the persecution was going to get a lot worse in the decade ahead and uh things were happening and so some of the jewish believers uh, those who had come to christ had started saying you know it's really rough for us christians to be christians in this culture they allow us; the Roman culture allows us to be Jews, but they don't allow us to be Christians. And so, some of them, because of that, were drifting back into Judaism as their faith instead of Christianity. And so, the writer is saying, "Don't do that. Don't don't do that. Don't give into that persecution, and don't give into that because uh, here's why." And then, as you read through the Book of Hebrews, you'll see this guy knew the Old Testament inside and out. He goes through the prophets. He goes through the heroes of the Bible, and he makes these uh, observation. He says that Jesus is superior to all the prophets, superior to the angels, superior to everyone. So don't go back to what is inferior, as good as it was. All of those, all of those wonderful prophets and teachers were looking forward to the day that you have in your hands now, the day and the era and the time of which Christ has come. So don't go backwards, go forward, hold on to Christ, don't, you know, hang in there. And so that's that's a little short Tim summary of the book of Hebrews. And there's some things we can take away from it this morning. And so you have a fill in on the back side of your handout and it should have received a pen as well. And uh, here's the, our last, our closing bit on uh, no ordinary hope, because it is no ordinary hope. Uh, Christ, our hope, is in a person. It's not just in our circumstances, but it is in the person of Jesus Christ. And notice in the verse, it says, let us hold unswervingly. What did you think when you heard that term unswervingly? Yeah, I think of a like a road that's just kind of doing like this and it's you know going here and there and and uh, you're kind of doing this and you're yeah, you're doing that and and uh you're you're kind of trying to find your way and the writer of Hebrews who we don't know the name of but he you know he kind of says don't swerve if you could draw a line straight from the car all the way back to here He says that's what the culture is trying to do to you. Pull you left and pull you right. Pull you left. But hold on unswervingly. Hold on unswervingly. So your first fill in is hope can be sustained. It can be sustained. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. That is hold fast without bending. Uh, and, And hope is... And the Bible is not exactly like our ordinary hope. Uh, in some ways it is, but uh, hope is like this joyful, confident anticipation that cannot be robbed from us by situation. Do you get that? You know, a lot of our hopes are on things to get better Like next week or whatever. And that's not bad at all. But the hope in Christ is something that sustains us right on through life. Through the swerves and the roads and the bends and all. Hold unswervingly to the hope. Why can you hold on without giving up? And as you go back and read the book of Hebrews. Again you find that Jesus is superior to all that the people that he was writing this letter to had held on to before. Jesus is superior to the prophets. All the prophets they depended on, they listened to their words and they, they held hope. But Jesus has come. I mean, he is, like next week our song is, you know, is, it, it points to this. It points to the fact that Jesus has come and that the, the world has long awaited his arrival. And so the writer of Hebrews is going, he's here Now. So hold on. You can hold on to, you can sustain this by realizing that Christ is superior to all the prophets. And then he goes into a talk of uh, the Jewish um, faith and religion. And he talks about the holy of holies and the veil. We sang a, a, a moment ago about piercing the veil and all of this. But what he's saying is that there was a time in Israel's history where the only people who really got to meet with God was this one priest one time a year. And that is that there in the holy of in the temple, there were th- like three different sections to the temple. And you had a Gentile court and you had the court where some could hang out. And then you had you know, the holy place and you had this thing called the holy of holies. And there was a veil, there was a thick curtain between the most holy place and outside. And only one time a year was a priest allowed to go into that spot where God resided. And the writer of Hebrews goes, Jesus has come. Now that curtain has been pulled back and you are invited to come in. And he says, don't go back. Don't go back to the prophets. Don't go back. That will not sustain your hope because all of them pointed and had hope for the day when God would finally throw the curtain back and say, hey, I'm here. Come on. Come in and meet with me. And, of course, that happened in Jesus Christ. As We know when he was crucified that, remember the story when the veil was rent from the top to the bottom? It was, I'm getting into Easter now, but I love Easter. holidays just do that for you. And, uh, you know, it was rent and it was torn from the top as though it was way up in the air. And as, as though God reached down with his own hands and tore it apart. Then laid it on the floor and said, welcome, Matt. Come on in through Jesus. Now there's no more holy away from you, but I have paid the price to invite you into my presence. And so the way we sustain hope is that we, when we start growing a little bit weak and we start letting up on our hope, we remember that. We remember that our Lord and Savior and Jesus Christ is superior to all, to all of them. Jesus Christ is the only one I know who has risen from the dead. And, I mean, one of my atheist friends the other day asked me on Twitter. They said, what would it take, Tim? I mean, how much proof do you need that God is real? I said, well, the resurrection of Jesus was enough for me. And uh, he says, man, your bar's low. And I was like, I wouldn't say that's low, you know. I mean, you know, you know, I think that's, uh, you know. And they got the bodies of everybody else. They don't have his. And that, that makes me ponder. That gives me enough leaning in to trust him. Now, forty-five years of walking with God. Now, and, and swerves of life, and and also knowing, uh, his seeing his keeping power, and notice, and and realizing his presence have all done a great work in me. When my times of doubt come, and when you start wondering, you know that you you can sustain, you can grab hold of, unswervingly, to Christ, and go, no, wait a minute, you know he's been there, he's through it all. He is superior to everything in my life. Every prophet, every other religion, he is superior. So we can hold on. We can't. We don't have to to give in to the feelings that it's hopeless. Not when our hope and our trust is in a person who rose from the grave. And who has promised to welcome us into his presence. And in one day actually come and reside 100% with us. In a renewed earth, in a renewed place, of the way it was supposed to be all along. I mean, that is something I remind myself of at times, and it renews my hope. It helps me hold on unswervingly. In the tenth, as we go on in the tenth chapter, we read these verses, like thirty-five, Hebrews ten thirty-five. The writer says, "So don't throw away your confidence." And I know you've been at a place like that. The reason this is written in the Bible is because we find ourselves in places where we want to. Otherwise, this wouldn't be in there. So it's a very practical book. It's like I know you're going to be at places in your life where you're going to want to let go. You're going to want to let go of that hope. He says, don't throw away your confidence. It will be rewarded. It will be rewarded. And this is written in a time of persecution when the reward that they may receive may not come until when the kingdom comes in fullness. But yet the writer says, hold on unswervingly. So you can, you can hold on. And uh then thirty ninth verse says this, Hebrews ten thirty nine. But we do not belong to those. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. That's who we belong to. The writer says you don't belong to that old system. No, no, no. You belong to this system. So don't go backwards. Realize who you are a part of. And that's no ordinary hope. That is a hope that transcends circumstances and whatever goes on in, in life. So we can sustain. We remember how to remember his supremacy. Remember Christ, who he is. There is only one like him. He is supreme above all else. And then what are you hoping for? You know, what am I hoping for? It's also that I place my hope in a person, in that person of Christ not in the situation. Yeah, I want my situation to change. That's okay. A lot of us are in situations we wish we weren't in right now and we're praying for a change. That's good. That's okay. And I do the same and but if it doesn't change, my hope is still in Christ who never changes and who has promised to save me, to be with me and to be there with me. So I hold on to that. So the writer is, you know, he's confronting those who have kind of made Jesus uh, an add-on. Kind of like, uh, it's not anything you really need. But yeah, I think I, you know, I'll make Jesus, like a friend of mine told me, he says, Jesus is my hero. And of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, we we were on our way to Riceville Beach to, to surf. And this guy, uh, great guy, great guy, picked him up at another beach north of here. And then uh, he had to smoke up before he got in my truck. And... uh He said, you don't want to be around me, man, until I've gotten smoked up, you know, and uh, that's my antidepressant. And, uh, you know, he got in, and so he says, so, you're a Christian or something, huh? And I said, yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, Jesus, he said, Jesus is my hero. And I said, well, tell me about your Jesus. You know, and it was an add-on. It was an add-on for caring about others. It was an add-on for whatever fit the situation, but he was not Lord, and Savior. You see, the people that wrote these books in the New Testament, when you said Jesus is Lord, it meant Caesar was not. You get this? When you say Jesus is Lord, it means nobody else is the Lord of your life. Nobody. Now, that's a serious statement. It was very serious for them because it could get them killed. Very serious because you said, Caesar's not my God, and he was known as, we're going to find out in the days ahead, he was known as the Son of God. And so, look, there's no president, my Lord. My Lord. You know, there's no president, my Lord. There is no spouse, your Lord. There is one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when they said this, that meant he was more than an add-on. He was not just some hippie guru Consultant, when I want to feel good about other people, no, he was the controller in the everything of my life. And I trust and have my hope in him. And out of that comes a beautiful love and appreciation for everyone and his creation, as we're going to see. Do you get this? Jesus is Lord means nobody else is. Did anybody ever tell you that? No, they didn't tell me that. Now, it was signing a card in a church. That was then after I read my Bible, I went, wow, you know, this really cost you. But oh, man, does it give something back to you. It gives back to you no ordinary hope. A hope that transcends every situation, and every circumstance in life. All right. So hope can be sustained because we depend on him and we look to him. There's no one like him. And your second one is, look, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and that is hope can be spoken. Hope can be spoken. We can use words. We should use words to talk about this hope that's in our lives. There's just something special about it. Uh, Romans ten, nine through ten. Some of you may know this scripture. It says, If you declare with your mouth, right, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And with your mouth that you profess your faith and are what? And are saved. There's something about saying it. There's something about that happens in our heart. How hope grows and it becomes tangible to us. And the reality of God in our lives... It, it, it just builds a foundation in us when we say it, when we speak it. In 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, we read, for everyone who, what? Calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Calls. Speaks out. Says it. Speaks to God. And uh, so there's something very powerful that we can speak this and that helps us hold on unswervingly to God. When we speak out, Our faith and profess, you know, it's an acknowledgement to openly express commitment and allegiance to. You know, know, I look back on my life now and I've got some funny stories because when when I first came to Jesus, this whole thing of professing Jesus was like, I mean, I was crazy about it. You can ask Karen, you know, I thought you had to profess it every like five minutes. I mean, you know, we, we, I'd go from one meeting, I mean, to the next meeting. And I, I'd prayed the sinner's prayer probably 37 times uh, by then. But I was so excited, and I just thought you're supposed to do it. And, and, I mean, we were at Coastal, and I think Miss South Carolina was giving her testimony or something. And she called for those who wanted to follow Jesus. And I think i had been a Christian for a year by then. And I went, I'm going. And she says, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, but... Who knows, you know, I'm going, you know, let's, let's just make sure. And then, you know, she led us, Claudia led us in a, in a you know, a, a faith. I'm like, yes, oh, Jesus, I'm here, you know. And it, it, it happened like 12 times before that. And it's not that I doubted that. It's not that I doubted it. It isn't. And then I look back on how crazy it was now, and really it was it's kind of ridiculous. And, and I mean, I, I gave my testimony all over the place. I'd actually leave myself to the Lord many times, you know. I. <laughs> I just I see that hand yeah I see it you know and 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 all but 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 now that I look back on it I realized that God was just sinking into me the more that I heard myself say it the more that I spoke it the deeper that went into my life and I think that's why God allowed me to be so foolish early on and and, and because it's what I needed I just needed that I needed to hear it and we have a gathering of the tribe every now and then that 's the old surfers from around here. We had one a few weeks ago and uh and i 'm sitting there and all the same stories for thirty years everybody tells the same stories and everybody laughs just like it 's the first time they ever you know how it is <laughs> and uh and and the story you know and one of the guy guys's been making my boards for forty years now thirty five years you know he he has the same story. He's I remember you, Tim. I remember you at the U.S. Championships. We were surfing S-turns. This was back. And he says, you got barrel on this great wave, and I looked over at you, and I didn't even know you then. He says, you came out, threw your hands up in the air, and went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and he says, he says, and you meant it in a good way. <laughs> I was like well wait what I mean it you know and uh, but now that I look back on that I'm thinking God there was wisdom in that God was just pouring into me and allowing me to listen to listen to listen and something happens when we say it and you don't have to you know be out like a megaphone yelling on the streets and all but gosh you need to say it you need to say Jesus you know, thank you thank you for saving me thank you for for giving me a future that's beautiful and hopeful. This is no ordinary hope that you've placed in my life. Thank you. And when people come to you and they're having troubles and they want you to walk with them, for you to be able just to simply pray and be there with them. And when they ask you how you get through it and you talk about that no ordinary hope that is a part of your life and you hear yourself speaking about it, not in a preaching way, but in a way of gratefulness and thankfulness, something happens to you and to those who are listening to you. It's a powerful thing, and it builds our hope and our trust in God. So, you know, we remind ourselves that Christ is supreme. We hold on to the scripture, the promises. We talk, we speak it because something wonderful happens in our hearts when we do. I mean, and then your third one is this look, uh, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Your last one is this hope can be contagious. Hope can be contagious. Let us consider how to spur one another on. Yee, get up, you know. This is like, so what I'm doing this morning, come on church, woo, let's go, you know. Spur one another on to good works. Because when we, when we kind of ebb in our hope and our trust in God and things are, things are kind of slipping on us, then to be able to, to encourage one another and be there with one another. The holiday season, you know, here with so many people hurting, As well, to step into their lives and to give some hope to them that they're not forgotten, that there's a church, a church that was redeemed by the supreme of all supremes, Jesus Christ Himself, who has now poured His love out into us, that we care about you. And to be able to give that hope away is contagious. You know that. You know how you smile. Just a while ago, when you were giving thanks and the smiles that popped up in the room, as you did, that is contagious, and hope is like that as well. It only takes one person with this strength of hope to affect so many people. You see it in movies all the time, don't you? Everybody's down, this group, man, you know, the typical movie, we're all going to die. One guy goes, not today, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the group goes, yeah, not today, and so suddenly, <laughs> you know, suddenly they're moving along, and something's going on, and, and, and the hope of Christ is so much beyond that of a situation, it goes right on into the into the life to come now and so it's contagious. And we do that by encouraging one another, considering, you know, consider how. That's a strong implication that the attention paid is intense and the contemplation is broad and thorough, resulting in complete understanding. So we do that with one another. We encourage one another on. And uh, that's what the writer is saying. You know, he's telling these that are going back to Judaism hey, don't do that. Come on back. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because the reason they weren't coming into a group was probably because of persecution again. They were like, if I show up at that house for this meeting, the Roman soldiers are going to see me and they're going to report me and, and I'm going to get arrested. So, but Judaism, they, they're okay with that. But they're, you know, so I'll drift back this way. And the writer of Hebrews goes, no, don't do that. Come back to your group where you can spur one another on. You can encourage one another and be with one another because you need one another. And that, you know, you can be a, you can be a Christian without going to church. You just can't be a biblical one. You can be a Christian and, and, and not, you know, just meet in your home with your family, but you won't be a biblical Christian. You won't. I mean, I didn't say that. These people said that, you know. It's because we need each other to encourage one another. And I encourage you to see Jay and uh, Jay's taking uh, Rick's responsibilities as he and Susan prepare to go to Italy. And uh, Jay Elkins is taking the small group. See Jay get in the small group or you know start one and get in there and encourage one another, spur one another on the good works and uh, get going. And that's the way we keep this hope front and center. Look, we are... This was the um, theme for the vineyard back probably 20 years ago for the whole vineyard movement when we first came in. And it was, we are a community of hope in a despairing world. And I think that's such a great saying because that is also what the local church should be, a community of hope in a despairing world. We have so much to be hopeful for. And it is a person who has come in Jesus Christ. To restore us to our Father, our Creator. Give us purpose for living, not just now, but forever. And that is no ordinary hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Uh, For those, God, now who maybe hope has waned a bit, I pray, Holy Spirit, just as we sing a while ago, would you come and... Would you fill and would you nourish again? And Would the words, would your name be on their lips even now? And just simply say, Jesus, you are the hope of glory. Jesus, you are my hope of glory. In you, I place my trust. In the Bible, as we read today, this book that records a group of people who were under such turmoil and or in turmoil and under such persecution, Lord, if they could see and they saw who you were and they placed their hope in you, then indeed this is no ordinary hope. So Jesus, I call on you this morning. I call on you. Be my hope. Be my Lord. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Come and lead me, God, in a life of hope. And I commit to the community of hope so I can urge and encourage one another in this hope. Come, Jesus. Come. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.